And now, live from a desert island, the 200% podcast with Ian Coconuts King and Edward Scurvy Dog Carter. fans and welcome to 200% podcast number 325 the deathbed edition oh god here we go (laughs) yeah well i haven't been very well that's why there wasn't a podcast last week that wasn't why there wasn't a podcast the week before (laughs) why why was there not a podcast we didn't have anything to talk about (laughs) could be fucking bothered (laughs) yeah i'll get used to that (laughs) yeah It'll become an increasingly regular. All right, you want a crowd of three hundred and twenty-five? Ideally, yeah. yeah. Let's get this out out of the way. Um, Saturday, February eighth, twenty twenty. So just before the lockdown. Okay. Remember those days? I do remember. In fact, I'm. I, I actually remember back to the early days of the lockdown with some fondness now. Do you? Yeah, it was quite good. Happy time. It was like a little adventure. Was it now? Um, after a fashion. <laughs> anyway, Tooting and Mitram United won Chertsey Town 2. There you go. Wow. It's me and League South Central Division. South Central. South Central. When something happens in South Central Los Angeles, nothing happens. That sounds pretty awesome. I know. We have no shortage of things to talk about. A lot of stuff having built up like a flocculent boil in the last two weeks. So we might as well get on with it. I think the first place I wanted to start was Manchester United, where the phrase, we're going to deal with this internally, seems to have fallen out of use. Uh, Well, yeah. (laughs) What's I mean? What's going on at Manchester United? It's an absolute clusterfuck of the best, most hilarious kind. It seems to me. I think some of it isn't hilarious. There are elements that are are, are less that, than uh, have gone beyond being funny. The overwhelming impression that I take from Manchester United is just what an unhappy football club it is. They do seem to be. You know, burdened. It's almost like the football gods have decided that they are going to pay a price for all those things what they won. Yeah, and and here we are, and you know, the, here, here they're a very unhappy family. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I was on, reading on um, Football Three Six Five yesterday that there's one player who was not named who feels that uh, some of his colleagues have, have sent Mason Greenwood to Coventry. And it's it's not the way that teammates should behave. And it wasn't actually even the player that you might think. 
Yeah. Because that particular player is one of a phalanx who has unfollowed him on social media. Yeah, I mean... Pearl clutching <laughs> angst. Well, I'm, you no, know, I think that's just... How can I put this? It's it's solid reputation management, isn't it? Oh, in most cases, yeah. But in, in you don't one, want to be in a one so, particular you, case, such yeah, as oh, Cronaldo, yeah, in one is, particular, it's, yeah, you know, mercy heavens, heavens, won't somebody think of the children? Mm. Pearl clutch. But I think that um, yeah, obviously we're very limited in terms of what we can say right now. The story, this particular story, is sub judice. Yes, and as such. It means that it's very difficult to say anything whatsoever. But it is an unhappy club. And uh, you do wonder whether or not these unhappinesses sort of compound. Yeah, it doesn't quite fall under pathetic fallacy, but it's close. On Friday night, they were just the same as they have been every game for the last few weeks. Yeah. Um, the, the, the one thing that doesn't seem to have changed at Manchester United is anything at all apart from the name of the manager. Uh, yeah, that's... So, I, I think and so. one of the names on the team sheet is no longer there. Yeah. I find it difficult to see how this changes radically now. Well... Before the end of this season. Yeah, but certainly before the end of the season. Where's it Where's it coming from? Where's, where's the change going to come from? I think it's safe to say that Ralph Rangnick is unlikely to be retained beyond his current contract. Hmm. Possibly. I don't know. Maybe he's doing all kinds of important things, but they don't seem to be having any knock-on effect of uh, making the, the players seem happier. They, the players seem to be in open revolt against both the management and the ownership and each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that you have to take what you read, certainly from the tabloids, with a, with a pinch of salt. There are probably several different groups all briefing against each other at the moment to their particular favourite tame journalists. <laughs> And the result is, uh, it's 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 several different competing versions of the truth, any of which might actually be the truth, and any of which might actually be a partial reading of the truth, any of which might actually be a complete pack of lies. Mm. There will probably come a point in the future when there is a book written about this, and that will lay bare more or less exactly what's been going on behind the scenes. But, of course, in view of recent events, I think that the likelihood of anyone getting behind the scenes at Manchester United for a while is going to be uh, is going to be unlikely. you imagine what would have happened if they'd have been making, like, a meanwhile back in Manchester United when that happened? Well, yeah, it was one of them Amazon... Um... Yeah, one of them. That would be great. Whether they were, they maybe can. they are. Maybe they they've, they've got Netflix people in now doing Manchester United till I die. Oh, hang on, yeah. I'm dead. Yeah, it's very very difficult to get your head round. Because the thing is, you know, I had a pretty good grasp of this a couple of months ago. I knew where Manchester United roughly were. I knew what their strengths were. I knew where their weaknesses were. I knew roughly kind of what I thought like, they needed to do to improve. And they kind of haven't done anything. They didn't do anything in the January transfer market. That 
obviously went down like a cup of cold sick mm. amongst their supporters. Well, yeah. And now there just seems to be this 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 constant feeling of it will be better in the future again somehow, but we don't know exactly how at the moment. I think they don't know how they got to the place that they're at, you know, that they were at in the first place, do they? I mean, they appointed Alex Ferguson and then there were a series of other steps, all of which have been forgotten, like a toddler forgets most of the stuff that's happened to them in their life because it's so traumatic and unexpected. And then they were very successful, enormously Mm. successful. Yeah. And people remember that. But they, they don't. They don't remember any of the other parts. Mm. So there's no ability to go. Well, what we need to do is replicate this. I mean, I'm sure if they could, they would be trying to clone Matt Busby, actually clone Matt Busby or oh, Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah. Every every time Alex Ferguson goes into Old Trafford, there's somebody behind him catching his dandruff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get yeah. it off to the lab, lads. Little, little petri dish. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll crack this yet. Unfortunately, the best they've managed so far has been Darren Ferguson. I know. So, you know, they get in there. Well, I mean, at least Darren Ferguson, who uh, in, in the exciting FA Cup fourth round uh, mm. over the weekend, at least Darren Ferguson prevailed over a winning team. Yeah, Peterborough beat QPR 2-0 which is something of a surprise result because QPR are going great guns in uh, the championship as are of course Middlesbrough who Mm. I don't think Middlesbrough play particularly well against Manchester United which gives you some indication of the kind of massive massive sack that Manchester United are currently in I mean Ronaldo missed a penalty and a sitter Mm-hmm. And as soon as Bruno Fernandes hit the post in the second <laughs> half... It was only when they showed it again from behind the goal. <laughs> you saw just how much of an open goal it was. It, yeah, it was an absolute... <laughs> it was an absolute sitter. From the the first shot, it was like, oh, that's a good chance. Oh, he's at the post. Oh, how unlucky. When you look at it from behind the goal, it's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> how much space did he want? I'll put it this way, right? The space that he had to aim at was wider than a barn door. It was. It was wider than a cow's arse. Certainly. And, (laughs) um, yeah, the way that Manchester United played was just grimly predictable the whole way through. It's Ken Brockman. It's right back, passes to centre. Halfback passes to the centre. Back to the wing. Back to the centre. Centre holds it. Holds it. Holds it. And then he spreads it out to Luke Shaw, and Luke Shaw looks up, and there's nothing there, so he passes yeah, it back, yeah. as, back to as centre. Usual. I don't know what he's expecting to see there. And then eventually some pass appears in the midfield, so they give it to Scott McTominay, yeah. and uh, he looks up, and there's nothing there. And then mysteriously appearing on the right wing... Cristiano Ronaldo from 2007. Yep. Assembled from various sloughings that have been found in the changing room. <laughs> yeah. Alex, Alex Ferguson's head on his shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
It's something experimental we're working on. It seemed like a good idea at the time. The white bigot was dying, and the black soul brother needed time to prove his innocence. More power to you, brother. I want to transplant my head on a healthy body. I think I like to donate my body to science after all. So they transplanted the white head onto the black body. Who would have suspected that neither would care for the idea too much? What are you guys doing to me? Shut up. I, I just don't get how they think this is going to work. They've, they've offloaded Dabeek. Dabeek. Uh, to Everton. Yeah. Who Q, won Q, comfortably yeah, the well, weekend. Cue Donny Dabeek becoming the Premier League's leading midfielder. Taking, taking Everton into fourth in the champion <laughs> in the Premier League. Yeah. Frank, Frank Lampard wins manager of the year. Yep. But no, there's just yeah, there's just this fundamental unhappiness. It's a grey Manchester cloud hanging over Manchester. Yeah. Uh Manchester United and, and it just won't budge. Because at the end of the day you can replace the managers all you fucking like. It's the owners, isn't it? <laughs> And they yeah. ain't going to change themselves because they make a lot of money. And they really, really, they love money so much. Oh, they love it. They you wouldn't believe. They don't even need it to be real money. It can just be numbers on an Excel spreadsheet and they're all like, oh, num, 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 lovely yeah. money. They, can, they actually and, uh, can get yeah. uh, an endorphin rush from a spreadsheet. Yeah, and the thing is that the one thing that Manchester United are still good at is making lots and lots and lots of money. So, you know, it just doesn't get spent on footballers anymore. No. Or infrastructure. (laughs) 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 I don't think I've ever found the word infrastructure so funny. But as, as predicted, as predicted on this very podcast, Middlesbrough did prevail, albeit on the penalty shootout, Okay. One of the less edifying penalty shootouts I've ever seen from a goalkeeping perspective. Because nobody got near the thing. Not once. No. In no. fact, no, no, that isn't actually fair. I think there's one. there was one where Sam Johnston managed to get his entire body behind it and it still went in. <laughs> yeah. I don't really understand what happened there. But most of the, the penalties were absolutely unstoppable. And even Cronaldo managed to stick his in, which probably mm. saved me rupturing something. Yeah. So I can only <laughs> thank him for that. And Middlesbrough go marching on. Their, their reward is uh, ah a home tie against Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> Looking forward to it. <laughs> but, you know, got to be in it to win it. So let's talk about that for the next seven hours without interruption. Brighton crapped it, didn't they? Yeah, like, God, you were salty on Friday night. I was. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I sort of. I, you know when he's, re- you know when he's actually finding it difficult when he starts saying things like "damn it all to hell." Damn. I was when he starts sounding like a nineteenth-century clergyman. That's when you need to. Yeah, in a, in a Hammer horror film. 
Hellfire and Brimstone Preacher. Yeah. That's that's when you know I've gone. It was I I was I mean to be fair, Antonio Conte's done a good job. He's a he's an excellent coach. And Brighton kept on ploughing into the trap he'd set with flying colours every single time. But um I was a little bit affronted that Harry Kane has chosen this game to remember that he's a world-class football player. Yeah. And he was really, really good. I mean, he was all over the place. He was like a giving it full Tre Francesco Totti vibes. Absolutely ruled the roost. Mm-hmm. And... God, if Brighton can half do with somebody like him. Yeah. You know, somebody who gets two chances and scores two goals. It's great, isn't it? Rather than... You should try it. <laughs> it's really good, you know. Because the thing is, that you got to bear in mind is that this is the first time for me in donkey's years, certainly with Spurs. Have Spurs had a goal score like this in my lifetime? I don't think so. I mean, Clive Allen... For one well, season. They had Gary Lineker for a while, didn't Gary they? Gary Lineker, right. yeah, yeah. And Klinsman? Yeah. But no, there's... there's the, Berbatov? The, the thing is that none of them stayed. That's the thing. Well, no, no. You know, so you, you, you didn't get any of them for eight or nine years, kind no. of thing. They were in one door and out the other. I mean, Klinsman uh, was, what, one season? Well, I mean, yeah, he was uh, 46 years old. Yeah. I think he played the entire season in a Hawaiian shirt, as, as I recall. Yeah, but uh, but Lineker was two years, maybe three? Two years, yeah, a couple yeah. of years. You know, so... Clive Allen was there for a while, but he only scored goals only for inex- one season. Inexplicably the best striker in Europe for one year. <laughs> During which time Spurs got to the FA Cup final and lost to Coventry yeah. City. What did he do? Did he score fifty-seven goals or something that season? It's an absurd number. He scored. Yeah, it was. It's a freakish amount of goals. A freakishly large number. I don't know how he scored as many as he did, and Spurs still achieved as much as they did off the back of it. Yeah. Yeah. Brighton desperately need a goal scorer. Desperately, just someone. Who's willing to, you know, run into the box? Yeah. You know, just or just shoot straight. Neil just Mopay. shoot straight. <laughs> oh. That one that soared high, wide, and handsome. Oh. oh god. Yeah, it was extremely. It was extremely upsetting because up until that point, of course, it had started to look a little bit like this was going to be God's own FA Cup fourth round. Yeah. The clue that it perhaps wasn't mm. was Kidderminster going down in the most ignominious fashion yet devised by man to a 90th minute equaliser and then a 120th minute winner. Yeah. And they played really well. They did. They, they were the better they played team. Better than they were the better well. team over the 120 minutes. And it's a scandal. They were absolutely robbed. <laughs> Um, and the thing is that, you know, West Ham had to bring on a hundred million pound Declan Rice to, to get themselves over the line. It was a really inexplicably feeble performance from what is ordinarily 
quite a good team. Well, yeah. And the only thing that I can assume about it is that West Ham turned up at Agra, took one look at these bunch of blokes running out on the pitch for them, and were just like, I don't understand how these people play football. Yeah. What are they actually doing? They play such a different sport to us. That well, I don't, you know. And I, maybe that's what it is. Because really, I know it's easy to say, like, oh, it's 11 men versus 11. But it really, it is. <laughs> you know? It is. Well, yeah. That's is. what it is. And if one team is really, really up for it, and the other team just doesn't quite fancy it. I don't know what West Ham's travel arrangements were, but you know, being being in the West Midlands for a lunchtime kickoff from London is either going to involve an overnight stay somewhere, yeah, or flying up on the morning. So <laughs> it it's unlikely to have been particularly nice or particularly pleasant for the players. I mean, I don't know particularly what the facilities are like at Kidderminster. It's a quite a new ground. Because I think they've rebuilt all four sides of it now. They've but, done very um, well. you know, non-league grounds have considerably smaller changing rooms than Premier League grounds. And, uh, and uh, as I've... I've heard mentioned in relation to other subjects over the last few days. A lot of your modern elite level footballers these days don't play on park pitches anymore. No. They they get hoiked out, you know, practically as soon as they can run with a ball at their feet. Yeah. And they so, don't even know what a dog shit is. Yeah, so maybe they, they, maybe they do just turn up, you know, at, um, at somewhere like Kidderminster. And it's just such an alien place for them to be that it almost freaks them out a little bit. Who knows? Well, I mean, it's possible. I mean, there I has think... to be some sort of explanation for it because West Ham were fucking toilet. There's t- there are I mean, there's two there are two sides to the whole. Uh, it's eleven men against eleven because first of all, in a way, of course, these people don't play the same sport because you were explaining to me the finer details of the VAR usage agreement. Yes. Which basically states it can only be used at grounds where they got it and the teams or, you know, at least one of the teams is one of the current 20 Premier League teams. Well, yeah, I mean, what happens is that when you go into the Premier League, you get all the stuff installed. Yeah, um, it's the same. It's the same when you go into the championships. Well, they had to switch the TV camera at Kenilworth Road. Don't know if you've noticed that they've swapped sides. Okay, and they had to swap sides um, to make way for the goal line technology. Okay, I see. They said it costs. Bit... It cost them a lot of money, apparently. And I think that's a, and the same thing happens, obviously, with with with, with your um, with your VAR stuff. Only a there's a ton more of it. I mean, mm. if Bournemouth go up this year, I've got no idea where they're going to put it. But, you know, never mind. Yeah, the thing is that you, you, you have it under licence from FIFA and your licence covers the 20 teams that are in the Premier League at that time. So even though there's been teams that have been into the Premier League, been relegated, they've still got all the stuff in place, but they don't have the licence to use it. Yeah. 
And in any case, they shouldn't be fucking using it in the FA Cup. Well, no. Fair enough. If every club in the round, every home club in the round has VAR, then fair enough. But how do we know that players haven't already picked up a million tips and tricks of how to fool the cameras? Strongly suspect they all some already have. I'm sure. I'm sure they. They got. I just don't see how it can't give a distinct advantage to one team over the other. I just don't. I don't understand it. I don't understand how they can just let that fly. Well, it's the it's the code shift, isn't it? You've long been predicting a code shift. Well, yeah. And um, this could be the thin end of that particular wedge, but. On the flip side of that, it is 11 men against 11. And if you are uh, part of an 11-man team who has been in quite good form recently, you can carry that onto the field, no matter what your relative league positions are. Which brings us to Bournemouth, who have been in good form in the conference. And Bournemouth have been... uh, Falling away a little in the championship, shall we say. And uh, it all came home to roost. Meaning that alongside nine Premier League and six championship teams in the fifth round, there is also one team from the National League. My question is, how is it that you are assimilating to this new world order where Bore and Wood are everyone's second team? Well, I'm sure the truth will come out. You know, well, no, you know, let's, I mean, would, would you like a sample of stories? Well, I don't know if that would you know, really ever on everyone's second club, Boreham Wood. Oh, God. Because, I mean, you know, I could, I could refer you to this story from, let me see. Oh, here we are. The 14th of May, 2007. This is locallondon.co.uk. The chairman of Boreham Football Club, Danny Hunter, was arrested in the early hours of Friday morning on suspicion of assaulting two women. The alleged incident occurred at Zinco Restaurant in Shenley Road on May the 11th. Mr Hunter has been bailed until June the 5th. So that's from 2007. I I, I don't remember. I think he was convicted. I think he was. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, let me see. Hang on a minute. Let's go back to. He's been keeping these all in his book. No, no, no. These are just literally. Day. These are just literally the um, first two things that spring to mind. This story <laughs> is from the Sutton and Croydon Guardian, and it is oh, it's May two thousand and ten. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um. Kingstonian FC fell at the final hurdle in an attempt to secure promotion at the, at the hands of Bournemouth in the Ryman Premier Playoff Final last Saturday. Kingstonian's valiant effort at a second successive promotion failed as they went down 2-0 in controversial circumstances. Kingstonian had been hoping for consecutive promotions and to progress into the Blue Square South Division, but goals from Ryan Moran and Dwayne Clark sealed victory for Bournemouth. With the scores level at 0-0, Kingstonian captain Francis Duku was the victim of a violent attack by a Bournemouth fan. 
who jumped over the railings, punched Dooku in the face, and simply jumped back over, unopposed by any home stewards. <laughs> Pauline then escorted the man out of the stadium. Kingstonian have since launched an appeal to the FA, saying that he had sent the incident effect. And so on and so on. Everyone's second club. Everyone's second club, Boreham Wood. Or, you know, let's uh, take this little beauty from... Um... <laughs> Here we are. BBC website, 15th of January 2019. BBC News. Bournemouth FC's weird 1,400-word Brexit post. (laughs) A football club's decision to post a 1,400-word article about Brexit has been called weird, embarrassing and slightly random. Non-league club Boreham Wood posted an article entitled MPs Do Your Duty on its website on Tuesday ahead of a parliamentary vote on the Brexit deal. <coughs> so that's Boreham Wood. Their fans uh. are scumbags. Their owner is an even bigger scumbag. And they are Brexit FC. Now, Brexit that's FC. got nothing to do with fucking St Albans. I haven't lived in St Albans for 15 years. Yeah. That's got to do with a shitty bunch of people all in one place at one time and for many years. Well, I mean, you know, I, I get it. You know, I didn't support Crawley because them when they had their FA Cup run because their manager was a convicted criminal who almost killed a football club as a result of his own behaviour. I'm not one of those who just goes non-league good, big club bad. It depends entirely on the people involved. Yeah, and well, in this yeah. case, I'm afraid Bourne Wood isn't something that I can or would be morally prepared to get behind. Well, I feel very similar towards Crawley Town. Of course, they're a shower of pricks. The thing is that I haven't seen any of this mentioned really on social media the last couple of weeks. And no. I do think that actually what's likely to happen there is that these stories will start to come out in the days building up to the um, uh, the, the fifth round game. Yes, and, uh, with Everton. No yeah, less. and uh, hopefully a few people will have been disavowed that there's anything fucking lovable whatsoever about Bournemouth Football Club, because I can assure you there isn't. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's Boreham Wood dealt with. Turns page audibly. <laughs> Let's finish up by discussing a match that we watched together. It was the non rivals Nottingham Forest and Leicester City. Oh, here we go. Uh, that was a good game. Well, it was, it was, it was, it was quite funny. I mean, Leicester were fucking abysmal. They didn't have I a mean, lot going, no. I, I mean, Brendan Rodgers. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. I've heard people start to talk about Rodgers could be the next Premier League manager to go. Well, I saw today um, that Kelly Wells on Twitter had heard somebody on 606 saying that uh, Mauricio Pochettino should replace friend which I, I can't I can't really give it because I'll laugh and it will hurt no go on <laughs> I'm going to say it Brendan Rodgers oh, hang on a minute. I'll, 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 right, hang on a minute. hello 
Hello, hello. Am I through to six oh six? Yeah, I've got. I, I think this could really work. Terrible result for Leicester yesterday. <laughs> terrible, terrible. And Rogers has got to go. He's got to go. Do you know who's the man to replace him? Do you know? Pochettino. It's not Mauricio Pochettino. Yeah. So I don't know. I sound like my dad when I talk like that. Well, he is often phoning 606 with <laughs> hair brain suggestions. Obviously, we all know that Forrest have got quite a lick going, both in the league and in the cup, thanks to the intervention of their gloriously plug-ugly manager. I think Steve. you're very unfair. He really is. He's not a looker, though, is he? Well, yeah, but this is literally... I mean, we talk about him quite a lot, more than we should do. I'm a bit obsessed with him. You are. And beca- yeah, and you are also, rather than being obsessed with him as a football manager, you are obsessed with him as an ugger. And well, you no, are I, straight I... in every time we talk about him is the very first thing you say about what him. What I will say is, he's clearly an excellent football manager. He's got form, he's shown that, and he's showing it again. But... I I personally believe the reason he's so good at football management is because, you know, there's no punditry career waiting for him because uh, unless they're going to put a bag on his head, what are they going to do with him? He looks like something out of a Hammer horror film. You see, you're you're doing it again. Can't help yourself. (laughs) Which is, you know, it's not a value. It's nothing to do with... It's not a value statement. There's nothing wrong with being ugly. I am myself an extremely ugly man. But I just think that... It, he is notably peculiar in appearance, but he his team are fantastic, and we've watched them quite a lot recently. We have over the last month, we've seen them play against Derby, and we've seen them play two FA Cup games, and I'm getting uh, getting quite fond of Nottingham Forest. It's like the good old days when Nottingham Forest were never off the television. Yeah. Quite whether or not that they're going to be able to persist with this dizzying cup run. Or they've got Huddersfield at home in the next round, which uh, is eminently winnable. And then, you know, then they're in the quarterfinals, aren't they? Mm. But I think the thing that most interested me was the, the coverage began with Lots of talking heads of Leicester fans and, and, and Nottingham Forest fans patiently explaining why. Really, you know, it's, it doesn't really bother them what Leicester City get up to or what Nottingham Forest get up to. We're not really rivals. No. We're not really rivals. We've, got, we've both got other bigger fish to fry. We've got other things to, to worry about. What they do doesn't bother us. And I only bring that up because after about 45 minutes, they were singing Nottingham is a shit town, full of shit. Shit full, and more shit. Full of shit, shit and more shit. Which was, <laughs> which was being countered by the Nottingham Forest supporters who were saying, well, Leicester is right, a I'll tell you what's full of shit. <laughs> that's full of shit, shit and more shit. And this went on for a good five minutes, which, <laughs> which caused us it caused us a, a, a significant deal of mischief oh, because dear. it is one of the great. It's it's a football chant that works on you on a number of levels, and when 
it, it finally hits on all ten cylinders, and you realise the utter and total futility of what's going on. It's it's a beautiful thing. Fascinating to see how quickly this veneer of well, you know, let's be big about it. Come on, <laughs> was was shifting, full of shit, shit, and more, more shit, more shit. Ah, uh, it's a beautiful thing. But my my I mean my big question is, who is the big gun in the East Midland football scene? Well, this is the thing, and he ended up. I've got full it. Da Vinci code on this. He, I've he got is. it all. Yeah, I've got it all. I've I've expanded out on this now, and I've been trying to figure this out using a number of key metrics: year of foundation, how long they've been in the football league, the honours they've won, and I think one of the most remarkable things about Nottingham Forest, Derby County, and Leicester City is how similar they all are. Yes. And the the thing is that I know that this conversation ends up with us being hated by everybody from Derby, Nottingham and Leicester. Well, even though even though we're right. Well, yeah, we are. We are. This will be the definitive. Well, no, actually, no, you're responsible for this. So, you know, yeah, and I'm, I'm happy that I've made the. Correct, definitive judgment. Yeah. If anybody wants to DM me on Twitter, I'm more than happy to send you his full postal address. <laughs> Pooing for his letterbox purposes. Nottingham Forest are the older of the three. Right. Derby and Leicester are both the same age. They were both founded in 1884. Right. Uh, Derby been in the Football League the longest. They were founder members of the Football League. Nottingham Forest didn't join the Football League until 1892. Leicester, not until 1894. Derby have won... This could be a long one. Derby have won the league... The complete history of three different football clubs. Derby have won the league more times. Nottingham Forest have won the most FA Cups. They've won two to the other two's one. They've won the most League Cups... Derby have not won the League Cup at all. Leicester have won it three times. Nottingham Forest have won it four times. Leicester have won the more charity shields. They've won two, compared with one for the other two clubs. And then, obviously, Nottingham Forest have won the European Cup twice and the Super Cup. Yeah. So, I mean, it all depends on how much... I mean, you could do it, I suppose, by ascribing a point value. Well, the thing to each is, each one of these successes. Well, the thing is that when we discussed this last night, we talked, we we discussed this in great detail, great, great detail. detail, great detail, and I was interested in, but you know, never <laughs> and um, and now it's your problem, ladies and gentlemen. And the thing is that the the recency bias matters. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, fact that, that there's only one of these teams has played in the Premier League in the last fifteen years. Definitely, matters, definitely true. You yeah. know, one of them has won the Premier League in the last fifteen years. Also true, and, and the FA Cup. In yeah, the last... and the FA Cup. And the thing is that I, you know, I was talking about this in relation to Nottingham Forest European Cup wins, but of course that also applies to Derby winning the league. Yeah. Which was even sooner. Well, yeah, it's and I, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this 
And I've got a definitive answer for you. Okay. But I want to hear your wrong answer first. Well, I mean, a lot of it could boil down, as I was saying yesterday, to the other things they've won, the sort of sundry titles. Derby County have won the Texaco Cup and the Watney Cup and the Daily Express National Five-a-Side in 1973. What a year that was. Uh, Leicester City's... Have won. They won the wartime cup in 1941 and the wartime league in 1942. Nottingham Forest won the Anglo-Scottish Cup in 1977. Brian Clough loved an Anglo-Scottish Cup, didn't he? I think that might be pushing it. And and they won the full members cup twice. So, my overall verdict: the best team from the East Midlands. Are you ready for this? I think I know what you're going to say already. Nottingham Forest. Yeah, I knew you were. because They won the European Cup twice, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, come on. But like I say, you know, you have to factor in the recency bias. Yeah. Um, and it was a long time ago. My, my ultimate conclusion is that all these little quibbling differences that we've been nattering on about, at the end of that, they just all cancel each other out. They're all the same. Yeah, there is a certain algebraicness to it. If you were to cross cross, if you were to put this. the whole lot into an equation, it would come out equals one. Yeah, at the end of it, you know, I mean, and that's well, fine yeah. because the thing is that doesn't make them the same. No, they all have very different and very distinct personalities of football clubs. They've all been really successful. You know, Derby, Leicester and Nottingham are not massive cities, but they've got league titles and they've had FA Cups and they've had European trophies between them. Um, The fact that they're involved in this kind of weird three-way love triangle in which two of them deliberately shun the other one is neither here nor there to me, you know. Yeah. but I mean, mean, it's it's fair to say... Very, very similar records. They've all gone about getting them in very different ways. But at the end of the day... Well, you take a hotbed like the northeast of England. Yes. Over How many league titles has the northeast of England? How many FA Cups has the northeast of England? Well, I mean, the northeast of England has so you've got so you've got your no so you've got your Middlesbrough, your Sunderland, and your Newcastle. Well, over the last fifty years. Well, there's your recency bias, you see, because I'm I'm sure that Sunderland and Newcastle have both uh, won a lot. I think recency bias is fair when no fucker can alive can remember any of it. I think in yeah, I think that it's possibly the case that if you won the. FA Cup six times, but you were wearing knickerbockers. On yeah, you were. Oh, we've won the FA. We've won the FA Cup eight times. Yeah, well, seven of those were in the eighteen nineties. I mean, I know that Sunderland last won the league in nineteen thirty six, and yeah. I know that because they're the last team who wears stripes yeah. to win the English Football League. So that means that to be able to remember Sunderland winning the league, you have to be in your nineties. Well, I guess so. I dare uh, say that there are a few people around who can. I'd like to see more of them on Sunderland till I die. You know, 
105-year-old people with no teeth being asked about what it was like when they won the league and they say, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. I'm 105. Really? Are you, actually, they're, they're 36. That's what, well, doing, that's what watching Sunderland does to you. Yeah, well, and you, you know, it's those harsh North Sea winds as well. They're very, uh, very aggressive on the Weathering. skin. Weathering is right. I just, I think it's a really surprisingly impressive record. Take You could take a lot of other parts of the country. Take South Wales or Bristol, you know. Um, these are big places. They've never won two European Cups or had three different teams win the league. Well, no. It's a, a, you know, I think... Um, I, th- I think that that's something that you know is a is a is a really proud achievement and should be a really proud achievement. And of course, what's interesting about it is that the fact that they all hate each other means that it it's not a proud achievement that they can share because they wouldn't dare share it with the others. Are you sure that no one in Derby was secretly pleased that Nottingham Forest won the European Cup for a bit of East Midlands pride? Well, the thing is, you know, different days then, weren't they? Well, I suppose so. Well, it's very common. You hear this quite a lot. People will people will tell you that in the 50s and 60s and what have you, people were much more gung-ho with who they go and watch. You know, you get people who go and see Spurs one week at home and then Arsenal at home the next week. Or they go and see Man City at home one week and then Man United at home the next week. Mm. People have very progressive attitudes. Yeah, people were much more free and easy with it. They didn't, you know, it wasn't as part... And that makes sense, doesn't it? Because it's obviously partisan and just insane these days. It's clearly spiralling out of all control. It is definitely... I mean, I was thinking this the other day, actually, when I was watching an old Liverpool versus Manchester United match. And there was no hype, hype, hype. It was just... Well, here's two famous old teams oh. playing. And this is in this was in the late nineteen eighties. So this is when I first started following football. And it's definitely, definitely got worse. God my god, it's so much worse. You know. They're and it, just entrenched now. Everyone yeah, is and, yeah, and uh, and so um I think there's every possibility that there would have been people in the East in Derby in nineteen seventy nine and nineteen eighty who would have supported Derby because A, East Midlands pride, or B, because they were the British team. Yeah. Now, they might have wanted Forrest to get dicked by Liverpool when they played Liverpool in the first round or whatever. But after that, it kind of changed. And I remember when I was a, when I was a kid, my dad always wanted the British team to win European competitions, no matter who it was. I remember... People being genuinely excited when Manchester United won the treble in 1999. I thought there was a real groundswell throughout the country of what what an amazing achievement by one of our teams. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing, you see. This is where sort of Manchester United cashed in, didn't they? Was that, that, that narrative arc from Munich to beating um, Benfica at Wembley. You yeah. know, that, that that story suckered people in. Manchester United weren't a big football club before then. Not a massive, huge entity like they are now. 
Um, <laughs> that process began very much with the beginning of that story. You know, it's a very curious uh, story the way that Manchester United became like the biggest club in England because they absolutely weren't always. Absolutely weren't. This is true. But now, if uh, Manchester United say, I mean, it's very unlikely, let's say Manchester City won the treble, I don't see that there will be a lot of English football supporters going, isn't it wonderful? Well, no, nobody. nobody an English nobody club. will be. Because, because, well, no, because it's not... It's not an English club anymore. It's a club that is situated in England. Mm, okay. None of the stuff. Hardly any of the, the the senior staff. I mean, how many English players have they got? Three, four, and then then some kids. They haven't got an English manager. They haven't got English owners. What what is English about them apart from their location and the identity of most of their supporters? Yeah. Well, the only truly English club left are Boreham Wood. They embody all our values. They don't like Europe. They, in favour of um, beating up women, and uh, also opposition players. Yeah, like I say, you know, Bournemouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, Englishness, Englishness being a, a quality to aspire to in in uh, your football club is also a, a poison chalice. Anyway. What have we learnt? Nothing, because no one ever learns anything. And we are all destined to make the same mistakes repeatedly until we accidentally trigger the end of humanity. We'll be back again at the same time next week. (laughs) (laughs) Unless unless one of us has accidentally triggered the accidental end of humanity. Heat death of the universe. Bring it on. Bring it on. Yeah, it's been one of those days. It has been one of those days. It's been one of those FA Cups. Actually, it's been a very entertaining FA Cup this year. I've enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, if you strip out the bullshit from it, it's been pretty good. And the next round is midweek on the 2nd of March 2022. All eight games are being played at the same time. So I'm not quite sure... Okay. What what the TV coverage is going to be like yeah. for that? But well, I mean, they they could do all eight live, couldn't they? They could. Yeah. It's not it's, it's it's not covered by the three p.m. blackout. Well, no, it's because it's well for a start. It's at seven forty-five p.m. That's how you get around the three p.m. blackout. Play what, no pl- matches at all between three and five on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Well, right. it, that, I, I'm copywriting that idea, and the Premier League. If you're watch listening to this, I want two hundred thousand pounds for it. And that's cheap compared to the amount yeah, of money that you'll get from pay per view and what have you. It's no surprise that a Spurs fan has come up with the idea of not playing on a Saturday. Tottenham Hotspur have a lengthy history of fucking up English football, and uh, I have to continue that into the 21st century alongside Daniel Levy, who's trying to merge Spurs to become the first American football team. Oh, God. That wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. There you go. News story for 10 years' time. Outrage as Levy withdraws Spurs from Premier League to play in NFL. Do you think they'd still have Harry Kane? Um, Wearing those big shoulder pads. He's the right build for it. 
Well, I mean, I don't even really think it matters that much because they, they wear so much body armour, don't they? Yeah, I suppose. So that's something to look forward to. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'll give you that. Yeah. Right, we done? I absolutely insist. Good. Thanks very much for listening. You can find him on Twitter at 200%podcast. And on me, me at TWHT. I don't even know why I bother repeating it. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows where they can get us on Twitter. Yeah, they either they know and, and follow or they know and don't care. Don't forget to like and describe that button. Like and describe the button. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like and describe uh... that button. Yeah, you know, like, subscribe. If you enjoy this podcast, make just make sure you're subscribed to it. That's be my advice. Well, listen because... to it. Oh yeah, listen to For it as fuck's well. Sake. But if you are, if you <laughs> I do don't want find to sound yourself, ungrateful. <laughs> if you do, if, if you do find yourself listening to it on a regular basis and you're not subscribed, because that can happen, you know, hit that subscribe button. Be easier for you. It will. It will make your life easier. Because you know how infrequently these things come up. <laughs> really, we did discuss last night. I don't think he's very keen on this, but I, I could, I could, I could make this work. No, I think so. I think the possibility that next year's podcast will just be an episode on every round of the FA Cup. Two hundred percent, the road to Wembley. Yeah. Well, we'll just have to just have to see how it goes. Might all be dead by then. Yeah, the tr- heat triggered the heat death of the universe. Fingers crossed. Right. <laughs> We're done for this week. Thanks very much for listening. And goodbye. Smithy's calf, Smithy's calf, Smithy's calf, girls, boys, music noise. Where is Smithy's calf, Smithy's calf, calf, calf? Find out.